my God, we are back. We're back after what's what seemed like ages, two weeks. Uh, welcome to Lovely Chaotic, episode 19, after a little hiatus, which was wow. basically just due to laziness. But uh, well, you know, yeah, it kind of was. I, I apologize to the to the two people that uh, that tune in regularly to watch. <laughs> but hey, we're back. Two. Um, two. Yeah, right. On a good night. Two. I'm looking at the chat window right now. <laughs> Um, Jason, welcome back. And Sharon, Barrybot, thank Hi. you for joining us tonight. Um, it's so glad, uh, it, it's so glad to have you on. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to be here on this momentous two-week, uh, occasion. <laughs> yes. yes, it's proud to have you on. Yes. Thank you for joining us. Yes. My precious. Anyway, um... We got nothing really to talk about tonight, although it has been a while since we've all been together, so I'm sure we can yeah. uh, drum up a whole bunch of stuff to talk about. Yeah, um, chat, and if you have any fun topics you want to throw out, feel free to do so. Always, yes. All of you. Still looking at an empty chat window here, but we'll wait a couple minutes. <laughs> um, I don't know if I've told you this, but I have But I have to. If I, ha if, if I haven't, I've been remiss. I really dig your your kitty cat headphones that Thank is like it, if i don't know if you meant it to be your signature but in my eyes it is now definitely <laughs> your signature because i've seen you enough times with them on and i freaking love them so Yay. um it inspires me to get like some tiefling horns or something do it oh my gosh that i even cool. want to get like ones that like light up and like when chat um talks or whatever they change color <gasps> that would be cool Oh my god! I'm down. I'm down with that. That's a million yeah. dollar idea. Like yeah, right interactive, uh, social <laughs> interactive. Shh, don't don't tell anybody. Shh. This is just between us. Yeah. We're gonna market this. It's a good thing no one's listening. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh well, god. thanks for joining thanks us. For joining we'll everybody. Bye. Bye. We, can't right, we gotta go. We gotta go uh, <laughs> hunt up some VC money to start there. Our, our social interactive uh, porn company. <laughs> well, what's really funny is uh, Vince's girlfriend is going to be playing with us on Sundays. Um, oh, and because cool. uh, uh, when we went to Ren Fair, we finally got to meet her. I think she finally felt comfortable enough. Um, and she was like, oh, so these people you play with aren't complete, you know, trolls that live under a bridge. They're like normal people. That's so weird. Um, and then because she's a total nerd bot. She's like a complete nerd bot. Um, awesome. And I think she was just so um, uh, inspired by the awesome welcome we gave her and like, mm -hmm. you know, kind of like just gave her lots of hugs and kisses and made her feel good um, that she felt. And, and I and she's going to play right. She, so Vince is going to DM. Has she, has she played before? I think she has. I think okay. so. I don't know for a fact, but I think she has. And I really like the way Vince's style of DMing is. It's yeah. so not the same way that he plays. Oh yeah, yeah. It's so different, and it's okay. and I love it. The fact that it's even more different than the way I DM, you know, the way I storytell. So it's and you know he hasn't done it all that often, but yet he's got that rare skill called confidence, and <laughs> and therefore he finds it fun. Yeah, right. We've always come back to that. If you can't do it and make it fun, then for God's sakes, don't do it. 
it, yeah. it'll right. it'll be a misery for you if yeah. you try to play well, games I think in that's, general. That's why you know there are so many of us that basically do the same thing and can all do it in the same space and mm -hmm. not you know it's never like oh somebody else running games you know everybody's got their own style which is pretty cool. Yeah. Well, <laughs> sorry. Go I, ahead, I I've really wanted to get. Um, a, I still want to get a game going uh, with like just a bunch of DMs that play. Like one of us runs it and a bunch of us play because I think it would be really cool for all of the players. And the infamous words of the Incredible Hulk sounds like a bag of cats. <laughs> right? <laughs> what were you going to say, Cher? Well, no, because uh, actually to echo what you were talking about, uh, I actually watched the recent episode of Critical Role with Brendan Lee Mulligan. It was my first time ever watching him DM and man. Really? Yeah. Is that the Dimension so awesome. 20 kid? Yes. Okay. I'm yeah. not a fan of his style, but I like him. If that really? makes sense. I yeah, haven't watched um, it yet, so no spoilers. Well, the uh, it won't be a content spoiler, but... I'm not a I'm not a fan of DMs that do eighty percent of the talking. Yeah, I'm, I'm he's a very big informative with his it, uh, storytelling. Yeah, like, he kind of leads the player more than. Yeah, like I'm with his with way. his dis with with his descriptions and setting up a scene, or with actually leading the story. Kind of all. Yeah. Yeah, Probably. but I kind of get the uh, and Sharon, what are your thoughts? Because like when I'm, from what I've seen in session one, mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, it feels like because it's such a um, short time period to run a game. Yeah. Right. It's not that big giant open time period. It seems like he kind of has to do that, right? Yeah. Like it's it's like he's he's like uh, how do I say he's. Like the director, he is literally telling the story of how the events play out rather than mm. like the players kind of engaging and involving it. I guess mm -hmm. he's, he's more setting it up. He's more involved in that than Matt would do. But yeah, like said, and, and my style tends to be more like Matt's style, which is involve myself only when it's necessary. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, he's very hands-on in this. Well, and that's and hence my question because because Mercer does a fantastic job of setting up the scene yeah. with sometimes very long descriptions, which are never Correct. boring because he's so good at it. But you're right; he he. There are also you know he'll he'll not say a word for 10, 15 minutes sometimes. And I got to tell you, one of the most affirming realities when I watch any of these shows um, or sessions or how people play is ninety nine percent of the players really are having fun and enjoy playing the game. Yeah. But they're not really good note takers. Their memories suck. They don't always know what's going on. You know, this they'll just ask fucking say, occurs to you now. You know, they don't How long have you been playing this game? I know, 41 years, right? Um, you know, they'll ask the same questions over and yes. over and over yeah. again. Which is why even when Matt does his long drawn out descriptions or when I'm listening to, you know, the new guy do his mm -hmm. or the really fun uh, female DM I've been watching over at the other channel. Now I got to pull it up because I don't remember what it was called. Drop um, the deets. Huh? I said drop the deets for that. I know. I know. Give me because I really do. I'm not a huge fan of some of what she does with her style. But she looks like she's fucking having fun. She looks like she's having 
a lot of fun, which is what I absolutely love yes, about is it, the uh, game. Oh, I'll tell you right now because I I haven't watched them. Um, do, 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 where did you go? Why can't I tell? Why can't I find you? Uh, uh, uh. You know, YouTube's. <laughs> I know. Make fun I of the old like man. Well, for a second. <laughs> while you're look, while you're looking at that, um, I have a new design up in my shop. You could check hey. that out. Um, Woo! Just threw this together. Um, I was, I was, I don't know. I think I was having a red stripe. Oh, I was gonna say it looks like a beer, like the red stripe yeah. beer. Yeah, and I've reference. done my job because it's supposed to. It's supposed to basically look like kind of retro uh, beer label uh, type thing. Um, Very cool. But uh, I was trying to think, like, you know, all our discussions on uh, licensing and whatnot. So I'm like, oh, I'll just put dungeons on the front, dragons on the back, and leave out the ampersand. I'm covered. So, so. yeah, there's... Um, so it's a, the <laughs> so it's a series just, called Questline. And they do the Ready to Roll series. Okay. And they have a killer um, DM, and she is amazing. Something she does, I'm not a huge fan of the the style, but mm-hmm. that but that's all about the table, the vibe, and what people are doing. Um, but she just always looks like she's having fun. She's always laughing and smiling, and yeah, still, that goes. You know, still being the traffic cop. You know, still yeah. being the traffic cop for the table and stuff like that. But yeah, Questline is one I like to watch. That um, goes a long way. Your presence at the table, um, or your demeanor, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just fun to watch people having a good time and laugh, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Does she have more of like a lighthearted campaign? Would you say kind of like uh drunks and dragons or, um, no, like I think vibe? it's, I think it's somewhere where it's more of an, I, I think it follows in the, in the nascent, um, vibe of critical role. Oh. Um, you know, the idea of the open world, the adventure world with lightheartedness and the occasional darkness and the occasional, you know, um, it's it's really that's actually a really good question. Actually, you know what, Sharon? What? I have found our topic tonight when it comes to <gasps> gaming. Um, one of the things that I've been going back and forth with on some other individuals I've been chatting with and stuff is the mood of the table. Like whether you're playing Warhammer, whether you're playing Adventure Quest, whether you're playing Heroes Quest, whether you're playing Magic: The Gathering, whether you're playing D and D. Or um, what's the uh, Pathfinder sci-fi one, Starfinder? You know, it's like, how, you know, number one, how do you establish the vibe of the table? Number two, how do you maintain it? And number three, what do you what do you do when it goes toxic? Do you, do you just give up, start over, put a new table together? I mean... <laughs> just smack them all. <laughs> I'm just, you know, it, 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 it's seen and and that I think that um, that falls on on the DM, okay, because you are the storyteller. No matter what your your style is, right? You are the conductor or the storyteller. Call it what you will. Are um, we? Are we really? I think we are. Are we not just a dictaphone in reverse? Just that? Aren't we just narrating no, and speculating so. information? Have you? Okay, <clears throat> let me ask you a question. Take any campaign that you've played more than once. All right. In I've any never game. played. A, I've never played a campaign more than once. 
Really? All right. Ever. You're, out of, you're out of here. Where's the key? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, seriously, you could you could be at a table with, um, let's leave, let's say all the players being equal, okay? You could have a shitty DM who, and when I say shitty, does his job of running you through the, the, the module or, or campaign or whatever, and just does not set the scene. It's like what we were just talking about. Doesn't set the scene, does not you know, does not allow or does not um, facilitate an immersive experience, yada, 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 call it what you will. And then you could have somebody like, you know, like Matt Mercer, okay? The, like the two extremes. Where do you think you're going to have more fun? You have to have engagement with the table, with the players. So like if we're just, yeah, if we're just a dictaphone in reverse, then by, you know, by definition, any game that you play in with any dictaphone slash DM should be equally fun. Sharon, have I you sought out another that. campaign yet? Not yet. Uh, I mean, I have been really interested about the, I, I mean, actually, there's so many different modules, right? Like mm -hmm. different campaign stories. Well, I want to try and play the one that has like, um, like it's space oriented. I think it's the one that came out. Spelljammer. 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 And, yeah. and then the other one with the walking giants. Uh, is it the multiverse? Land of the Walking Giants. Yeah, it's like giant statues. City of the Walking Giants. And they're Night of the Walking Giants. <laughs> walking Giants eat New Jersey. Water, I, I think it's Waterdeep. I think it's Waterdeep. Oh, you're talking about the Mad Mage series? Yes. Perhaps? Is that the one with the big... <laughs> Is that the one where the big champion of the city comes alive and it's this huge giant, giant yeah. statue? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I know which one you're talking about. Hey, when I do, Godcatcher? Oh. when I finally do my streamed game, Sharon, I want you to play in it. Okay. All right. When do we start? Three a.m. Uh, Wednesday. Oh my god! <laughs> no, I I am still I am still trying to decide whether I'm going to do it. Um, uh, we'll talk about this later. So, what is it going to be set in? You got uh, it. It's going to be set in uh, Forgotten Realms, but with a lot, you know, with that, with the map and the canon as a basic guidelines. But I've got a lot of layers of my own stuff on top of that. Do you um, have a Do you have a day in mind when you think you're going to do this? Jason, jump in. I would, I, well, I'd jump into any Forgotten Realms campaign. I, that's my I, favorite world. Oh, I'd love for you to play. Um, yeah. I, I don't yet, but I'm, okay. I'm getting really antsy to to get it going. Well, I know. Uh, It'll be after the summer, right? Because your summer's too busy. Yeah, I probably towards the end of summer. That'll give yeah. me more okay. than enough time to set this thing up and yeah. promote it. Um, because I really want to, um, you know, I really want to make this one uh, shine. Um, you know my main sticking point right now, but that could certainly change in three or four months. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, um, yeah, I would love to. I, I love okay, to cool. You're in. Um, so, I, I, I really, I, I disagree. We don't disagree about March, but I disagree. Um, I think the DM. Uh, I think that it is incumbent upon the DM to set the mood uh, of the table um, and uh, and and kind of let the players. Um, add to that but, but you know then you 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 know you track back to that familiar challenge that familiar m misguided opportunity 
which is if the storyteller slash DM slash GM is doing all the right things, but the players are still continuing to behave the way that they behave, mm-hmm. you know, once again, that vibe, that that essence well, of the table, right? Yeah, how do you correct it? Well, okay, yeah. let me ask you this. I, um, in, I interpreted your question as, is it a very serious table or is it a very, you know, is it is it jovial and a lot of laughing and joking around without being disruptive i i you know but that in itself um or are you, know, you speaking about just players behaving and and playing right well, well like I, setting I, the tone yeah correct? Uh, to sharon's point right like to me if i had five sharons at a table mm-hmm. that would quite literally be the funnest game i could run it's chaos be- be- yeah it's gonna be but it's gonna be fun chaos as opposed to the rules lawyer that dominates the Q&A within the vitality of the table or the one player who's only interested in combat or mm-hmm. the other player who's only interested in the role play, right? Right. Um, and yeah. I know we talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, I know we talk about zero session and sure, there's safety valves you can be put in place. But once your gaming table is established, right? Mm-hmm. You, have a, you have a table, you have players, you have a campaign, you know, the, you know, you've got one, the vibe, right? Two, the participation of the table, regardless mm-hmm. of the game that you're playing. Right. And three, whose responsibility is it once you're at the table? Like, you know, to, right. to autocorrect and steer and the DM to, you know, in my opinion. Yeah. I just, I don't, sometimes that feels forced. And sometimes I think that, promotes a lot of possibilities for dm burnout when they realize that okay i've got to do all this content creation Mm -hmm. i've got to do all this organization and then i've got a table of people that are just kind of being fucking assholes right well then okay so okay i i i disagree up to when you said dm burnout i do agree with that okay if you are constantly and and to me that's the sign of a good DM is being able to recognize like this person is generally quiet and they're, but they're having a good time and they're happy. But you know, I kind of can see in their eyes when they're drifting off. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because they're so far in the background. You know what I mean? Yeah. And this person always, you know, I've got this person who is, you know, who, who pulls the old uh, metagaming and it's like, Oh, we split up. And then I heard what you said to this character in another city, and I and I act on it because I heard it because I heard it, but my character shouldn't have. Right. Um, so you know, I, I think a good DM can recognize all of these uh, these little things and correct for it. Now, if you're talking about having to deal with an unruly table, then that that's not worth playing, in my opinion. And then you know what? Then you either have a discussion with your players. And correct it or try to steer it and and if it just doesn't work then i would just fucking cancel the game if you if you're talking about a, a table you know that's half full of assholes nobody wants to deal with that other players don't want to deal with it as a dm you don't want to deal with it if you're doing so much if you're doing more damage control than storytelling um then i just you know then you just start another table what if you get that what if you get that rep that you're a martyr dm poor me poor me no one's no one's good enough to be at my table these players are assholes Mm, i think well okay but 
again, that's part of the skill of a DM is to try to mitigate it. Yeah. Try to mitigate it. And, you know, I, I find it hard to believe that you can have a whole table full of assholes unless they're all friends and they like hired you <laughs> as a DM. In which case you're like, fuck you. You guys are assholes, you know, but generally, well, generally there are, you know, not generally. Okay. In the scenario that we're talking about, there's usually, you know, one or two or even a few assholes potentially, yeah. but there are also people that aren't. And I think you have a conversation with the players who are being affected by the other players um, I think there are ways that you can avoid becoming the martyr DM if you're sure. if you're a good DM. Grainlands. I was going to ask you this. Okay. What do you think the tone of our, or actually, what's the tone that you have set for our campaign? Like, because I feel like when you DM and try to set a tone for a game, I think it should be like a loose concept like a sort of guideline because if you say like oh i want a super serious campaign like i don't think it should be hardline because like you said burnout so i'm curious what your tone for our so campaign is. a dirty little secret i don't set tones hmm. i let the table do it i let the table find it i let the I table search for it you know what i don't like your tone <laughs> I don't, you know, it's like one of the reasons why I, you know, the, the players are my muse is because I truly believe that I am neutral water. I truly feel like if I'm doing what I'm doing well, which is narrative activity, well, descriptive activity, well, I'm doing some interplay through the narrative player characters that I kind of, you know, throw into things as well. Um, I feel like it's it's really up to the characters to determine the direction of the tone of the table, um, which is why I love the comedy of Abraxas's character. It's so much fun. I love how Mira can get serious, but then become bloodthirsty all of a sudden. Like her, you know, her original origin, you know, origin story into the game from where she was then. And what she is now is not the same person, but I have nothing to do with that. That is a tone that Sharon took on of her own accord. Even Keen, right? Keen's character, you know, yeah. is is phenomenal. I feel like the world I present offers the opportunity for the table to establish the tone that they feel makes it fun for everybody. Um, but I'm not forcing a dark theme. I'm not forcing... Uh, like there's not a thematic um, uh, tone I'm enforcing. My themes are strictly, you know, um, high medieval, low magic, high magic. Um, you know, more of a setting. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I, I, I prefer to focus on the setting, and yeah. you know, create the sandbox that everybody's playing in, and provide that feeling. So I think if you present an open world situation. I think you discover players that start using mirror metrics. I, I, <laughs> you make it sound like it's a bad thing. No, I think it's just an obvious thing. I agree with, um, I, I agree with you. You shouldn't necessarily, I don't, I don't set the tone per se. I don't sit down and say, this is going to be a very serious campaign. If anybody laughs, you're going to be, you know, in trouble. Um, that just happens naturally. I mean, again, I mean, and I only said, as Brian says in his best deadpan, 
<laughs> you're done. <laughs> Anybody laughs, you fucking off the show. Um, I mean, I'll, I mean, look at Critical Role. I, I, you know, I only, I only use it uh, as an example all the time because it's the easiest example to use. But there are episodes where they are laughing their asses off, mm-hmm. you know, and acting like children. And there are episodes where they're in tears and everything yeah. in between. And well, Matt, you know, Matt does not necessarily force. He doesn't force that at so all. So I'll, you know, once again, when I watch Mira, Abraxas, Keen, Bridget, and Gork all interplay with each other, right? Because to me, I'm very fortunate in the sense that I feel like I have the perfect size tables at five mm-hmm. people. To mm-hmm. me, feel like the perfect size. Um, I agree. actually, I agree. I think five is a perfect number. Um, and it not only allows for equal playtime, I think for all, including on the occasion that I do a narrative PC um, lore dump or something. Yeah. I feel like that, like the, uh, when you guys met that orc who lived inside of a, you know, fossilized mammoth, oh, uh, hut, right. You know? Um, and he was a kind of like insane tinkerer. Um, awesome. uh, but it was a real fun opportunity for, a lot of the more lighthearted nature of the players to be a little bit more exposed and interplay with each other. See, to me, that's the opportunities I can present. But if I have a table of, of people that just want to, you know, go out to the world and murder the world, um, you know, I'm not going to force them to not be that. Murder that, that, well, I'll never allow murder hobos at my table. I always wanted different. to deal. I always wanted to deal with murder hobos like the way we really should, which is like, okay, fine. You're under arrest and you're thrown in prison, and the next five sessions are just going to be you rolling to see whether you can not shit yourself in your cell. And we're going to sit here for three hours, and you're going to think about what you did. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of fun. Now pay me for running this game. <laughs> <laughs> You're well, grounded in game. Pay me. <laughs> and and I think whenever we use things like, um, you know, uh, there's there, you know, it's funny. There are so many games that people could absorb now to test whether or not a particular vibe makes sense, whether or not a you know, uh, a particular kind of play style makes sense at a table, you know, and mm-hmm. it's once again, I go back to the, you know, the, the general challenge that you have of any table, which is, is it a group of strangers, a group of friends or a group of family, mm-hmm. you know, and those three baselines are going to afford you the opportunity to determine what the outcome of that vibe. And a lot of times the vibe of that table, I can tell you, won't establish itself until after about the 10th or 15th session. 10 or 15. Yeah. What kind of morons are you playing with? Once again, it's about the level of knowledge of their character, the comfort they finally hit, the stride of Yeah, no, I would I would agree with that. When I know, started when I started my when my long going, you know, my over two years, but like two and a half years now. Mm-hmm. Um uh Wednesday night game. Um those were all strangers except for two of the guys who are brothers, but they live in different states. Right. Um, I, I would say that's about accurate. I think it was probably about 10, 10 sessions before things really started to gel. Um, and, and, uh, and, and and no matter how long you've known each other, like if you go back to all three seasons and watch the first session of, of each of 
you know, Critical Role seasons, it's awkward as fuck. Season, uh, season two. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that they all meet in a tavern. You could tell everyone was like, "Really, are we doing this trophy shit? Did we just really, after that first amazing five-year campaign, did we all just meet in a tavern? Is I that is that what like, this has come to? I actually like campaign two uh, better than the first season. I agree with you. Well, that's because campaign two had had a beginning. Um, a lot of people don't feel like campaign one yeah. had a beginning uh, yeah. because they started offline mm-hmm. um, and they were already almost level ten by then yeah um so i think a lot of that has to do with just the nature when you yeah when you can when you can grow with that literally grow with those characters from the very beginning yeah it makes a huge like for like right now like a good table vibe conversation i'm gonna run and get water but i know sharon's a huge critical role fan like me um who's your favorite favorite character right now of season three Ooh. Boy. Um, okay, now we can talk about Jason until he gets yeah, back. Yeah, let's talk some <laughs> Chat. I, but I see. I came in. Um, I actually started with Critical Role like right as um, uh, Mighty Nine was starting. So I also, mm-hmm. you know, that and then I went back and watched about half of Vox Machina, um, uh, and then you know finished off uh, with uh, Mighty Nine. But I, I thought there was a much I felt much more uh, connected to it because um, of that. You know, where you start with them from level one. What's your What's your take on campaign three? Campaign three. Um, I mean, I shoot. I actually kind of forgot the characters because I was watching Mighty Nine. <laughs> um, so you've shoot. got Laudna. Uh, Marisha yeah, plays Laudna. The okay. uh, yeah. yeah um, uh, Laura plays Imogen. Imogen. Uh, Travis plays. Um, well, he started with um, uh, Bertrand, but now he yeah. plays Chetney. Died. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, and that is why I will never ever fucking get at a table with Jason. It, honestly, it is the worst. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's bad. I, I don't even know um, how I keep on coming back. Ugh. My uh, oh, my hi. favorite. So there. Uh, so it's funny because I think all of the characters in disadvantage all day long for you. Whoops. That was, oops. <clears throat> uh, sorry. That was a mistake, but Hey, you got a new t-shirt in the shop. Check it out. Um, no, I think, I think the characters in campaign three are the strongest characters uh, from right off the bat. Uh, so of all the campaigns I liked the play. It took, I'm not even going to finish that comment because I'm not sure where I'm going with it. But uh, <laughs> to, I, I think all of the characters in Campaign Three are really strong. My favorite character by far is Chetney, without a doubt. Mm. He's he's so chaotic. I he's <laughs> fucking awesome. Travis just makes me laugh my ass off. But they're all good. Um, I oh actually- my god! So when and the reason why I asked that question is because I feel like one thing that was unique about once again the table vibe the way the players come into Mm -hmm, that table mm -hmm. is the way that robbie um ashley and liam's characters came into the overall vibe of the table yeah set a very different mood because you had 
the activities that they did in the summer session uh, yeah. or the you know the the pre-season yes. session coming yeah. in yeah um and then the way they overlap that storyline which tells me that this is going to be a multiverse story that's going to play out over time um and the way they're bringing players in and out like they just recently introduced a new player mm-hmm. um when they reached the new city location um i'm but, a couple episodes behind so no spoilers right so from chetney's perspective i love the fact that travis purposely triggered matt so matt <laughs> is a walking empath yes um and he has lots of empathy and he's a very emotional person mm-hmm. so when i'm watching a former army guy sit there and go come on you know alpha Omega, oh you my know, God. You got so <laughs> triggering mad. all that toxic masculinity. The yeah. look on Matt's face was, I was over the moon. I know. Because That's Travis awesome. knew exactly what he was doing. That is a yeah, really un- good the- example yeah. of a player at the table, sensing the mood of the table, mm-hmm. and then using humor and real life social kind of like, conformity or lack thereof to really create a funny and interesting vibe at the table. Yeah. The look on Laura's face, look on Travis's wife's face when he did that. I mean, you know that Travis wasn't getting no loving for at least a week. <laughs> at least a week. But it's funny because under doing it under the guise of his Chetney character, mm-hmm. his persona, He's uh, he's the uh, uh, werewolf know. blood hunter uh, uh, baby. Yeah, boomer. it's yeah, just like yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like the old guy, you know. It's like, oh, the fucking old. It's like oh yeah, my old racist grandmother just yeah, you know, just oh, yeah. Her, you know? Just don't listen to what she says. And, and, and I know that's the vibe. He's and if yeah. you look at like Imogen, mm-hmm. who who you know, um, like I cannot pick a favorite character this year because, um. Fresh Cut Grass is an interesting character, but once again, Sam has chosen a story-built character. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't feel like the others are story-built. I feel like the others are more traditional. Um, Not was a story-built character. Mm -hmm. Um, FCG is a story-built character. Um, I love Marisha's character. Finally, I love her character. I love As much as I love Bo, yeah, I loved, I I enjoyed Bo. Uh, I was not a fan of Keyleth. Um, I, I, I tried, I tried, I tried, I tried. Um, but the Princess in the Pea kind of mm-hmm. nervous, uh, you know, lack of insecure elf in a terrifying world. Once again, that goes down some tropes that are entertaining at times, but kind of overdone. I, but feel, the f- like, I feel like my character Mira is sort of like her. <laughs> no, no. So, sort of like Keyleth? See, I would disagree with you because once again, what you're missing out on because you don't see it from my point of view because you're on the other side of this, you know, the table. From my point of view, Mira in uh, Uthadern or Urlis, the ruins of Urlis, is not the same one now. It's not the same Mira. Right. Right. I don't feel like Keela's character changed until the end of the campaign. Right. Character. She felt the same all the way through. Up right. until, you know, spoiler alert, she loses um, Vax mm-hmm. um, and gains her um, hereditary t- uh, title of uh, in conclusion of the Aramante. Mm-hmm. 
So her backstory was this journey that was supposed to shape her, but yet somehow she stayed the same the whole way through. Yeah, I actually, I agree with you on that point. I, I liked Bo much better. Bo like was Laudna. way better than Keith. I'm not, I'm going to leave Fox Machina out of this for, for various reasons. A, because I never finished the whole, the whole thing. B, because like you said, it's hard. Here, let yeah, me I fix know. that. There we go. <laughs> Hard to, uh, it's also hard to make the same judgments um, uh, when, to your point, we came in when they were already right. halfway through the story. So right. uh, I actually liked, uh, what was I going to say? So with Mighty Nine, I actually liked um, the characters. It took me much longer to, uh, oh, I know what I was going to say. Um, I liked the story very, very much. Okay, it all the way. Very mature. Yeah. Very um, real world. I feel like. Yeah, I liked it very much. Um, I think we liked it. See, this is what's interesting. I think what you're looking for is we liked it for the reasons why some people hated it. Which is ninety nine percent of most campaigns are anticlimactic. Mm hmm. They just finish. Yeah. And if you really go look back at Mighty Nine. They had this incredible journey, mm -hmm. and it just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Yeah, but when it started, something that they thought was going to be bad, but we don't have proof it was going to be bad. Right? There's yeah. no, you don't have any inherent proof that what was going on was going to have a horrific outcome to the world. The yeah. assumption was they believed it was going to. Right. So when they but finally I... did what they thought they did to save the world, were they really saving the world? And it felt very kind of butter and toast really mm -hmm. it didn't feel like that season one ending with no Vecna. but i but i really liked the um like i said i really liked the story it took mm -hmm. me a long time uh to really identify with a lot of characters i loved ford okay and i loved caleb all right Caleb was um, a good character. Caleb yeah. was my favorite. Took me a really long time to get used to um, uh, Marisha's character and Laura's character. <gasps> Jester? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that. Jester. <laughs> Jester and Bo. Uh, oh, yeah, Laura's character, Jester. Um, yeah, I love Jester. I never really identified with, uh, with uh, Ashley's character. Um, and Sam's character, I also like Sam's character very much, but. Bo no. grew on me. Uh, Jester grew on me. Um, I actually, I actually hated when Ford made the change to Paladin and and changed the persona to the Sea Paladin, and then did not different... did not like. But see, was at based all based on his backstory though. He... I'm not talking about the story. I'm just talking about the character's demeanor, yeah. the accent, stuff like that. Yeah. I just, yeah. But anyway, so my point is, love the story. Took me a long time to get used to the characters. In in campaign three, right out of the gate, the characters were so strong. I mean, they all really did uh, their job in picking something that they wanted to play or that suits them or that they could grow into. I mean, like I said, other than Chetney, who I love, I'm really hard pressed to say who my favorite character is because they're all so freaking awesome. Mm -hmm. What I really have a problem with mm -hmm. is the story. I'm on episode seven, uh, 18, maybe, and I'm just now feeling like it's starting to feel like a linear story. For 15 episodes, 
I, it was just very like meandering. Very meandering. It's like okay, well, we're that... here, and now we're right here, and now we're here, and there's a number of reasons, but it was just really, really difficult to get through. And even now, it's like for me, it's kind of like teetering. Like, is this going to remain on track, or is it going to just go, like you said, meandering?、Um, but I so it's think... interesting. I think what Matt's presenting to everybody for the first time is the purest of open worlds you could have.、Mm. It really yeah, is. His、yes. players are doing whatever they want. Okay, let me ask you. Let me propose this question:、um, Is that we all know that that's good for the players and it's、uh, good oh, for the DM? Damage. Put your fucking dice away. <laughs> <laughs> we all、damage. we all know that that makes for a very good player players table, and usually a good DM's table because that keeps the DM invigorated and whatnot.、Mm-hmm. Does that necessarily make for a good viewing table? I think it actually does, and there's a couple reasons why. And then I want to get Sharon's okay. I I, I want to hear、that. I want to hear why you think it does. I'm going to say I don't think it does because, like I said, I was. I, I found myself lost so many times. Even as I'm sitting there listening to it, it's like if I, if if I blinked, all of a sudden they're in Estros's study, and then I blink, and then they're over here doing something. I'm like, ninety percent of the audience that watches Critical Role、uh-huh. will never play the game. What? I that, do. That's、Where's, what's so sad. That's what's so. That's what's so sad about it. I want to see and, the metrics and the、though. and the Twitch metrics plays Fake out. Fake news, wrong, wrong. <laughs> and and the reason why the Twitch、really、metrics、wrong. plays out is because for now everybody's comfortable living vicariously through the methodology of how these how the the games played. Okay, They, so then that then that to me because as a player, having experienced the gameplay. You can kind of fill in some of those gaps in that meandering story because you're familiar with that process. So,、yeah. to your 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 in a way, that statement in my mind proves my point because well, no, now you're now you have people that are just watching for entertainment, and it's like a a such a fractured story. No, but it's but they're watching. They're watching one of their favorite books, or they're watching one of their favorite possibilities, or they're watching one of their favorite what ifs. What they're watching,、mm-hmm. right, are these individuals who've created these amazing characters, yeah, who are exploring an open world and writing their own story. Yeah, I get but that, you- but then it should be an anthology of that's an anthology, maybe, but it's irrelevant because. Then that, then, then in that case, it should be like,、uh, like the, like an old heavy metal type movie where it's an anthology, and then at the end you realize, oh, all these stories come together. I would、that、say, would、cool. I would say that if you go to a, a, a convention,、um, well, no, actually, before I go that route, Sharon, now that you've played as long as you've played,、hmm. what's your perspective on playing the game? Versus your interpretation of that perspective while watching Critical Role before you play, you know what I mean. Like you are very kind of traditional before and after situation. Yeah. Like a, a good portion of my players, of the players that I play with, 
they've never played before, but yet they've consumed a lot of content online in its regard. Right. So, you know, what are your thoughts? Because you've played for a while now, but before you used to not play. But yet you watched a lot of Critical Role. Yeah, no, and, and it's a really good uh, way to build a, a, a resume for playing D&D if you ever decide to play it. <laughs> Is it? Um, well, I disagree I mean, with that. Because no, then no, your expectations no, no. are way the fuck up here. Well, and usually okay. you get this. <laughs> okay, well, combat-wise, I think it did help me because... Okay, yep. that's fair, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Because that is super helpful. And then also to kind of circle back on like open world and the meandering concept. Yep. I, I started to think about like, uh, you know, T Tolkien's books for like Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. What is like the first couple of chapters? It's literally him explaining what the landscape looks like, what a rock looks like. I mean, you know, after a while it does become like, okay, like when's the actual story going to pick up? And I think that's what um, Brian was uh, alluding to for Camping 3. Like, there there has to be a spark somewhere now. It's, I, it's been some time. I, I wouldn't say spark. I would say just a, a linear path so that it becomes... It so that the storyline becomes apparent. Mm-hmm. And I, I, and, I had I, this, I, and I had this discussion <laughs> with some of my... I had this discussion yeah. with my buddies... We're also longtime players as my OG crew, and they they agreed also um, that it just was very um, all over the place. And I'm not knocking, you know, I I I suspect it's my guess that um, that Matt's plate was just really full, to be to be quite honest. Just a guess, you know, with the Amazon thing that dropped shortly before. Um, the, you know, there's so much that they are, that they are doing right now. Um, and, and I, and I wonder if he painted a world, um, that, you know, this part of the world that is just so rich, um, he just made it dense. It's just... so rich and dense that it's like, you know, it's almost like sensory overload from what episode are you on right now, Brian? I'm on, I think, 18. And like right, I said... This will Justin, be a very interesting conversation when you get get cut up to 25. Okay, well, like I yeah. said, the past only in the past two have I started to feel like, okay, they're finally on a mission to go mm -hmm. do something. Well, and to your earlier point, Sharon, because mm -hmm. you still haven't answered my question. A what? <laughs> so, Just kidding. You, you started absorbing a lot of how other people were playing yeah but now that you've played for as long as you have what is your retrospect like what is your kind of reflective approach to say okay what was my expectation beforehand versus my you know in my journey where am i at now right because we've played over 30 sessions now i know um i think i came in with the mindset that the game is going to be um, orchestrated like Matt Mercer, you know, but then like I discovered different play styles from different DMs and um, it's super cool, I think, but like you as a player have to kind of like readjust yourself to that DM's style in order for it to work for the game. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, still really enjoy D&D &D and it's not 
it hasn't made it difficult or anything. If anything, it made it more exciting because, oh, well, this guy plays it like this. Oh, oh, this guy plays it like this. Oh, there's different modules. Oh, you know, like it's to me, I think it's exciting. I don't see it as a challenge. And and the the main part that I love about what you said is all the different things that you consumed. Mm-hmm. The majority of the people that watch Critical Role believe every game should play that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. that's why they don't play. That's why I said it's not, I don't think that's a good intro. Mechanics yeah. wise, it's a very good intro, but expectations wise, fucking horrible. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, but I, you know, but I want everybody to play. That's the thing. I really do want everyone to play because mm-hmm. this game will change your life for the better. Mm-hmm. Your confidence skills, your vernacular, your ability to Crap. write, your ability to note take. Um, I will say this much though. I am significantly shocked at the poor mathematical skills of the average D&D player. <laughs> significantly. <laughs> That is an indictment of the American <laughs> education system. And I stole that line from I have a player. I love her. She's one of my favorite players. Um, she'll go, hey, storyteller, what's 18 plus 7? 25. She goes, I rolled a 25. <laughs> I don't think I that, I don't I think that is I, – I, I would not say that that's D&D players. I would just say that that is <laughs> – Everybody, but, but it's funny because when you watch critical role players, they do the same fucking thing. I know Ashley is the worst <laughs> mechanics player I've ever met in my life. The single worst mechanics player. I know, but, but, but with her, but with her, she loves the game. But with her, her, her lack of mechanics is part of of why I love her current yeah. character. Fern yeah. is Fern, fucking yeah. phenomenal. I've actually used Fern phenomenal. in one of my campaigns already. No yeah. way! Yeah. Uh, Fern is... See, I, again, I, it's hard to say which is my favorite character in this campaign because they're all so damn strong. So, so, once again, the vibe of the table, the way the players play, Marisha's character... Is an interesting and difficult character. Um, it is, and I am still. I will say, I'm still. Did you learn the backstory of her character yet? Did you get the surprise yet? No. Uh, by episode fifteen, you should have. Wait. Um. Oh. Uh, oh, was that a... that had to do with? Um, it was Percy's uh, crossover with Percy's back. Correct. Yeah. Who, who were she... they? She Shit. was one of the murdered individuals that was hung from the tree. What was the family? as a warning in Whitestone during the Briarwood arc during Briarwood, the conclusion yes. of Briarwood. Briarwood. Yeah, I did. I did learn. Okay, that. yeah, that was fucking yeah. cool. Her character is super cringy. So cool. Yeah, her really? character. Her character is about murder. It's awesome about raising the dead. It's, it's super gothic about the um, the idea that curses and condemnation of those that were said to be heroes were responsible for your death implicitly but not specifically but yet she had an attachment to Whitestone mm-hmm. and now here she is running around with meat puppets in her pockets and you know being this dark and gloomy kind of murderesque kind of Elvira character yeah I love it. Can I get love, a little cringy sometimes the way oh, she runs I, it. I, I love, but not I in a negative way. It, I don't in know. that kind of that horror story cringe. 
Okay, like, not oh, like not like uh, social media cringy. No, like, no, no. I hate the fact they stole that word. That word yeah, existed I know. before them. I agree. Um, but like cringy, like jump scare cringy. Yeah, or totally. I love like, it. Oh God. And I love and I love the that? way I love the way I love the way she plays the character. I don't yet identify with the, her her um, portrayal of the character's personality. If that makes mm. sense. Well, I don't know if she even has one yet. I don't think she does. I, I don't think that's been established yet. Once again, we're in the beginning, you know, and they're doing something a little different this year because it's obviously post COVID. Yeah. Um, and so it feels able- a little Cruella DeVille to me. It is a, a little, little cartoonish. Hey, cut some slack on the living dead and girl, I, okay? And I want to, <laughs> and I, but I, but again, it took me a while to um, identify with her as Bo, and Bo, and by the end of the campaign, so Mighty Nine, as I explained at the beginning, I had a, a few core characters that I really loved, and by the end, that group of core characters that I really loved almost completely changed, except for Caleb. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So, and Bo was, was one of my favorites by the end of the campaign. So I fully expect to really, really love Laudna as uh, she delves deeper into Well, and her therapy. name is basically the name of a old 1920s medicine. Laudanum. Yep. Laudanum. <laughs> I love that. What do you think's in my glass? Beer. <laughs> Cringy beer. Thank Red striped beer, evidently, based on the T-shirt. <laughs> uh, okay, let's. Uh, let's it all comes not, full circle, <laughs> right? Not that we have a time limit, but we're coming up on an hour. Let's change uh, over to a light, a more light heart. I got a question for you guys. Okay. Um, so first of all, uh, I, I have a couple ideas for some format changes, and I want to talk to the both of yous because I know the three of us had talked about. Uh, doing this show together, um, and for reasons at the time, Jason and I decided. My internet that- is becoming latent. Subject matter boring. Latency increasing. Oh wait, hold on, hold on. Let me. I can. I can fix that for you. <laughs> Those submarines came up to full Paris. I love how you keep kicking me out of my own fucking show. He was quicker to the draw. Anyway, you're right. It is boring. But what I was saying is I got some ideas for some really fun format changes for upcoming episodes. And Sharon, I want to have a talk with you and Jason and all this. But my question is, uh, and this, this something, it, it, it sparked my, uh, my interest. Something, Mm. what you were saying before the show about, um, uh, vault damage vulnerabilities, and I know this is a complete fucking tangent, but I've always, I've always, as a player, without meta gaming, okay, and believe it or not, after forty years, I have not memorized the entire monster manual. That's unfortunate. Um, you should give it a try. It's right? lots of fun. But like, whenever you come up against like a frost giant or a fire, you know, a salamander or something like that, I always question. I'm like, okay, so this frost giant. Is it immune to fire because he's really cold, or is it vulnerable to fire because fire and ice? I fire. My fantasy world physics has some correlation. Um, If I would say that if you're going up against a fire like a red dragon, you should probably avoid fire spells. 
No, no, no. Well, I mean, that's a given, but I'm talking about the opposite, the con, the contrasting. It could go either way. They're either uh, immune to it. If you're going it. up against a frost giant, you should try to set it on fire. It's going to be more effective. Possibly. It's made out of ice. It's, it's a frost giant. It's I know. My, that's, see, that's my point. I've run in. There are some things that are now, immune to that. if a frost that. giant that's smart enough to wear an amulet of fire resistance. Okay. What if you have a creature that is just so cold, the fire doesn't work? I mean, flames do die so out cold. if it does get cold. I'm not talking about extinguishing the flames. I'm just saying. I have run it. That's a good I example have, of mirror matrix. I, <laughs> <laughs> now I understand. <laughs> it's creative solutions. Come creative on. Solutions. I'd like to see a creative brief on how we could uh, approach this problem. And uh, I want to A-B well, test Well, I mean, if combat. you're lingering. So here's so here's the situation. No, I'm just saying. I, I have run into creatures before where... <laughs> You know, where where common sense says, oh, this creature's made of X. I'm going to use Y because it's the opposite and I'll kill it. No, I think it's immune to Y because it's so powerful with X. I, I, I would say that there's always a happy medium in there somewhere. My See? favorite is when, <laughs> you know, my favorite is when I've got a party of players that are in the hallway of a doorway. Like they're in the hallway. Yeah. The door is partially open. The 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 you know the monster the creature the encounter or whatever is playing out in front of them or about to play out and they're like okay what do we see right so you're doing the whole narrative description and what's going on in front of them right and you do something so obvious in what they're doing and the you know you you watch the players hamstring themselves over the fact that they're not sure what to do based off the description. And sometimes I think descriptions should be purposely very minimal, especially if they have horrible history or nature checks and they've never encountered the monster before. I always, I do that, you know, when I, when we were kids, on their it, paranoia. Mm -mm. when we were kids, we used to play, I go into a room and uh, you see a, uh, you know, a gelatinous cube. Now I, I never do that shit. You go Unless into a room I specifically ask if Mira, if Sharon's character Mira goes, you know, does this creature look familiar to me? And then I'll say, well, well yeah, I don't but know. then they roll, you, me, you know, then, then yeah. you roll. And then based on that outcome determines whether or not the creature looks familiar to them. Um, but the same state, the reason why I'm a huge fan of vulnerabilities is because I create all of my own monsters. None mm -hmm. of my monsters are um, raw. They're all homebrew. Yeah. Um, and if, and I know Mira's be or Sharon's become familiar with my playstyle, there's never a linear outcome in any of my encounters. Mm -hmm. If, you know, if you're in an encounter in one of my games, you're going to realize that there's a whole possibility of outcomes depending on how as a player you interact with things, yeah. um, whether it's a puzzle room, a diplomatic encounter or a combat encounter, right? It, it, I, I purposely make it so open-ended that sometimes, you know, the bad guys have a chance of winning simply because the entire party can't figure out what to do. <laughs> so be it. But, you know, but that's kind of the whole perspective sometimes of the game. Yeah. But then there's those rare occasions, like when uh, the Grey Lands took on those um, were creatures on the bridge. It would have went so bad, you know. But they did. The coordination went well. 
They they knew their skill sets well. They had come to terms with their characters. So they had matured into their characters so much that when they encountered this situation, they did really good. But yet when they travel to an excavation site, they do really stupid shit. <laughs> but that's what's fun about the game that's seeing just how stupid game. they can get you know and you fall into your problem solving more often than you coordinate oh my god solving. there were there have been episodes of critical role where it's like a half an hour and it's like fucking do something already <laughs> and i'm sure matt <laughs> is sitting at the table the same way just like fuck it's just a door i love it when they're like <laughs> All it's this crap shit, and it's like, okay, we walk over. Okay, you walk See, over the stone that you thought was going to kill you. <laughs> Season one of Critical Role, the eye roll count of shopping adventures <laughs> from Travis and Scanlon. I or know. no, so eye roll count from Travis for shopping trips, and then the eye roll count from from um, uh, Scanlon's character, or what's his, oh, I can't think of his name. Why do I? Sam? Sam from Regal. Whenever Laura would involve Trinket in anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, I think they got her back in Mighty Nine with uh, with uh, Sprinkle. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Just like always this... <laughs> this the, the, the whole cartoon, um, the two-minute cartoon memes that were going on on YouTube, there was a creator, yeah. an artist, who was creating little two-minute skits with Sprinkle's playing out those situations oh my god and it was so funny like, by the end sprinkles was people were beginning to speculate if sprinkles was a big bad <laughs> or they, or <laughs> because he hadn't died yet from being submerged under the water for six days i mean or i was toying with the idea that you know secretly matt was inserting a new god <laughs> was that the wild mother at play People were thinking it was our tagon. That was it was the traveler. Like yeah, some were thinking it was our tagon. Some were thinking it was maybe the wild mother at play. I mean, or a new god was coming into existence. I, my understanding is that it was, uh, it was the traveler. Yeah, I, I yeah, still, I so. uh, yeah, I think so too. Because what I loved, and see, once again, the thing I love about Pantheon stories, and Matt does it very well, and there's a handful of others that do it really well. Mm -hmm. um, I love pantheon involvement that only happens when the player is at the peak of that pantheon relationship so whenever jester would do an amazing like kind of she'd go into a temple and write dicks everywhere you know and do that whole thing and pull off this amazing uh you know funny kind of like encounter then suddenly she'd have a conversation with our tag yeah because that's the sense of what pantheons do. Yeah. The other thing too is I've always dabbled with the idea that anything Fey thinks they're godlike. Yep. Yeah. And I feel like that's always a fun way yeah. to introduce players to the concept of the Fey. Yeah. I agree. Especially with Mary's Mary's characters going down some interesting roads. Huh. Or I'm gonna have character. to watch. I'm gonna is is I'm gonna have to watch a couple. These are streamed, right? They yeah. are, yeah. Every I'm gonna have to watch a couple of the VOD of of just of, so I'm familiar with your character, Shan. Uh, yeah, Shan. and get familiar with Mirror Metrics too. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll read the brief on that. All right, uh, so we're at an hour. Um, that was actually a really good conversation for having nothing to fun. fucking talk about. Yeah. So. What do we want to What do we want to talk about next week? Um, or do we want to burden Sharon with the possibility of? You know, 
um, coming up with some topics for us because she does come up with some really cool topics. She does. And the only topic, well, I have so many side note topics, I won't go down those rabbit holes, but um, I, I, I feel like we should talk about transitioning from online play to live play. What's that's gonna what's that really gonna start feeling like starting this year? Because yeah. a lot of the game stores are opening up again, conventions mm-hmm. are starting to realign again. Um, you know, Tell I'm you- in the process now of trying to build a local convention yeah. uh, near me. We're gonna call it TTRPG Academy Con um in the city of Hemet. And I want to get like a small one thousand person. I need to work on that. That's uh, that's that's a mouthful of spaghetti. I, yeah, I know. I gotta come up with a con name. Uh, but I really want to create like I really feel like creating a local con is the best way to get more people involved in the game activity. Oh yeah. I think just relying on stores and population density centers is really hard to do these days because yeah. I think um you know, it, it, it's between six and seven dollars a gallon of gas. Getting people to drive anywhere now is practically impossible right now. So, yeah. all right. Well, how about this? Let's. Uh, that's our tentative topic because I okay. love that. However, Sharon, if you are open to joining us on a reg- more regular basis, uh-huh. you can come up with some topics too because I agree. I've got some format ideas and some fun stuff. I'll work on that. Cool. You guys are actually better than I am about coming up with topics of conversation. I'm okay, um, but yeah, Sharon's much better at it. Okay. She really dives deep into it, and she likes to organize the idea of it and stuff like that. Right. Cool. Oh, and the other thing, too, is Sharon is going to be uh, officially – we're going to talk about it. I, I guess it's we don't have games Saturday, Cher. Do you want to get together this Saturday then, and we can talk about – you becoming my new community person within the Discord. Sure, and had one. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things I love about what Sharon does in general is she asks amazing questions. Um, she's not afraid of her, um, uh, you know, uh, where her knowledge is doesn't affect her skill. Like, Sure, she may not know everything about D&D, but the way she asks the questions and engages the community is really cool. I love it. I love watching it. Keep going. So she is going to be my community engagement admin on the Discord. Um, Awesome. That's fantastic. To try to get more and more people playing, asking questions, getting creative with their homebrew. Um, We've got almost 400 people on the Discord and only about an average of 80 to 90 that talk on a regular basis. Okay. And and I really want to see if we can't get that conversation up and going. I'm still convinced that playing these games is going to be better for everybody. They just don't know it yet. Yeah. Well, we have to teach them that. Dumb sons of bitches. <laughs> That's the spirit. That's the spirit. Uh, you just right. go ahead and mansplain <laughs> them all. Stick around. <laughs> Stick around after, and the three of us will chat about that because that touches on some of the stuff that I want to talk about. Also. Okay. So, anyway, cool um, thank you for thank joining you, us. Uh, thank you, chat. Um, all of the robots in the chat. <laughs> thank you for joining. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> we will see you next week with episode we 20. 20. Bye, yes. everybody. Bye.